0: When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. You have a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. Congratulations on finding star style. Be the star you are. Our vibrant hosts, passion, purpose, and possibility producer Cynthia Bryan and her energetic daughter, healthy living specialist Heather Brittany, share the best roads, fastest detours, and successful strategies for a life worth living on StarStyle, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now. Never say never.
1: Live your dream.
2: Hello, 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 power partners, and welcome to our informational playground. It's StarStyle, be the star you are, brought to the airwaves under the auspices of be the star you are, literacy and positive message media charity. I am your co-host, Cynthia Bryan. And I'm
1: Heather Whitney.
2: And you are listening to us on Voice America Empowerment. We strive to seed, to stimulate, and support space for positive, meaningful conversations that are going to get you talking around the dinner table. Today's Miracle Moment is brought to you by Star Style Productions, coaching you to success for writing, acting, media, and presentations. Call 925-377-STAR or visit star-style.com. And this miracle moment is a good one. It's by William Somerset, mom. And it is, if you don't change your beliefs, your life will be like this forever. Is that good news or bad news? (laughs) Have to think about that one, right? So in other words, if we don't keep growing and changing, we just end up stagnating. Well, in today's show, uh, coming right up, Heather's going to talk to us about uh, some things having to do with airline safety before you go on your next flight and what you can do to stay comfortable. And then we're going to talk about the new laws for motorists and what you need to know regarding licenses, meters, fees, all of those kind of things. And technology today has really infiltrated every part of our personal and business life. But are we still getting enough old-fashioned FaceTime? We're going to talk about communications and how we can better do that. So... Let's start with information about the airlines. I mean, the chance of being in an accident might be slim, but there are things you can do to ensure your personal safety before you board your next flight. Both Heather and I seem to be on planes quite a bit, and Heather, you've really been on quite a few lately. So give us a few tips, and you can give some from your personal experience as well, as how we can be safe and stay comfortable.
1: Yeah, well, you know, we have a a whole bunch of things actually today of, of one, you know, uh, touching on uh, clothes, you know, that you can wear kind of in the case of emergency, um, as well as just sort of standard things while you're on the plane and kind of prepping for it. Um, But one thing, you know, we hadn't discussed before is a lot of times the the chance of you being in a plane uh, accident are so rare i mean literally people you know have have quite the fear of flying the truth is it's more dangerous um you know riding your bike down the street or driving your car i mean think of how many thousands of people are killed um every day in car accidents um when it's just a very uh, small number each year if you know with with Accidents, and usually they tend to be more of the um, personal, smaller engine planes. Um, It's you know, it's not even one year that we hear of um, these big carrier style but in the rare case that you are in um this kind of accident if you want to make sure that you are dressed appropriately which um a lot of times when people think you know you want to look really cute when you're flying somewhere driving then that could actually have some safety repercussions of it um things that you kind of want to wear um natural fibers just cotton wool leather leather actually um Sorry, things, uh, I said it completely backwards. Um, what I meant say is that, um so, Uh, Natural fibers such as cotton. Cotton is flammable, but it actually um, is intensive with fires. So you want to wear clothes that are non-flammable. So avoid synthetic clothing, polyesters, um, you know, nylon, um, and also something, too, when it comes to your shoes. Leather, those leather boots, you know, super trendy, kind of going into from fall time, um, can be actually one of your biggest assets. Uh, if you were in heels or sandals, that could prevent you, um, in, in the case of a fire, from being safe. Uh, leather boots uh, are going to be the most flame-resistant uh, flame with that. And um, also, too, that you could be injured while wearing heels on a flight, and some to consider when speaking with heels and long flights. You uh, want to be comfor- uh, comfortable in what you're wearing. As it is in long flights, uh, it's every few hours you just get up, stretch, walk around because there are the chances um, that you can get you know swelling in the legs and blood clots. Uh, so that's something too that Did That really actually happen
2: to you uh, on your last flight when you were coming back from. Yeah, like, you, know, from you know,
1: I'm something that can happen. Tell us is about that. that, can that. Get, um, you know. Uh, you know, de-vein thrombosis. They can get, you know, issues they, and blood coughing. They can be life-threatening. Um, but a big thing, too, is as we know, um, anytime you change altitude pressure, um, your your body goes through, the, as we know, whether it's in the air or in the water, certain things such as the bends, how people um, will go up and go down. Um, one thing you know, that, that happens To me, I just know any time when I go into uh, higher elevation, I am completely sensitive uh, to that. And I I get, I swell up. So any time I go up to Tahoe, first thing, I always drink, you know, nearly a gallon of just pounding the water um, to kind of keep my body hydrated. But in this long flight when we were doing uh, from Tokyo to Bangkok, uh which is about twelve or fourteen hours. Uh yeah, but uh we didn't have the luxury of being in first class for that one. So we were coached, which was still very nice. But my leg literally swelled and it was so incredibly painful. And luckily enough, um, I didn't experience any kind of blood clots. but um, I do know someone who uh had a, a patient that they worked in medical but a friend of a friend of theirs, uh, daughter um, actually uh, died due on a, a plane uh, same situation due to a blood clot. And that you know that's very a healthy person point. so life, I mean to always you know get up, move around. Um, but things also to kind of consider, just when you're on the plane, um, being safe too. I think, you know, we live in this uh, day and age now that no one ever pays attention to the flight attendants. They're there, truly. Uh, I think people kind of view them as um, in-air uh, waitresses, but they're really there for your protection, for your safety. So um, one of the things that you can be respectful and also, I mean, I, if someone was to ask you right now to start off where are the safety exits and what do you do in case of emergency, I don't think we would know it. I think we just kind of feel like, oh, we've seen it so many times. We just kind of turn it out. So make sure when you go on your flight, just pay attention to that. And and sometimes, you while know, they have it on little videos for you to watch to keep you more watch to keep you more um, entertained, just do be aware. Where are the safety exits? Um, where are the floating uh, devices? You know, who do you put on your on the child's uh, breathing mask um, before yours or vice versa? What exactly do you do? Make sure you know these things because, in oftentimes, in the case of an emergency, we panic and we don't know what to do. So, having those little refreshers, paying attention for that quick few minutes that they do, um, that they do talk. Pay attention to that. Um, so one thing too, also in the case of uh, an evacuation, as it be, so um, things to always think of as we know, um, leave um, just leave all your possessions behind um, and stay low. Um, you want to make sure you get find the nearest exit and never return to a burning aircraft. Um, oftentimes, you know, we have the same thing with houses, people, um, think, Oh my gosh, you know, I've got pictures. Or when we travel. I know for me, uh, when I travel, I always bring my favorite outfits, my cutest clothes, you know, all the things I love. My favorite jewelry, my best makeup sort of the things. When you think about it, we probably shouldn't travel with because, uh, God forbid, in the case of an accident. But oftentimes, you know, if your baggage is lost. Um, the airlines usually will only uh, refund you up to five hundred dollars because you know there could be, there could be fraud that people could say, "Oh yes, you know, I was traveling with my my bag of diamonds." So um, so think about that too. Um, so also, you know, what's well, your traveling? I just want to jump
2: in there with jewelry. I'm a big believer. You should never travel with any good jewelry, and I really I really feel that uh, you know if you do, unless you are just staying with friends or in a very safe country, which I'm not sure any place really is, you're asking for trouble. Because there are, um, there are stories out there where, you know, somebody just has their hand out the window of a bus and, and you can get your hands cut off or rings, etc. So I'm a huge believer in bringing all your fake stuff and leaving your good things home or in your safe deposit box or somewhere where you're not going to worry about it. And and then also, when you were just saying about um, you know, like traveling with your computers or anything, just make sure make sure you always have a backup of everything because you certainly yeah. Can't
1: and lose and that. you know, um, as you're saying again, I was just going to say about computers. I think you know, there's almost this ignorant and one um, airlines now. It's actually slow, they've, they've developed fully uh, technology is being introduced that you can have complete internet access and Wi-Fi while in the air. You know, for a long time, there was always this thought of, you know, you have to turn off your cell phones, which you should. And, do you, um, you know, there's sort of been debate of it. It really causes interference. But, like, they're just asking you to do it. So you can break away from your electronics for this short amount of time. Um, but, too, you know, you get to that point of make sure you have things backed up, um, that your whole life doesn't exist within your computer or in your cell phone. And, you know, one of the things is, you know, why follow um, you know, the, the FAA, they make these safety regulations for a reason. And uh, I think oftentimes, you know, when something, uh, people, you know, the whole thing, it's Traveling in that air flight, it's for um, our convenience. You know, think of the times before of how long it would take you to get to places. But now I think, you know, people you know, want it you know, today, yesterday, and the day before that, that, you know, they're really frustrated with things. Um, so basically just following all the rules. And, and one of the main things uh, I know is via deal with turbulence. Um, when, you know, as soon as that, uh, you know, but when you, uh, sit down, you know, they want you to buckle up your seat and I have said you know, so many times that's why they go around to check to make sure you are in fact, uh, buckled in. A lot of people think that's not necessary because it's not like a car. You're not going to come to a screeching halt, but, but turbulence happens and it happens, you know, out of nowhere. And the biggest accidents are due, um, to turbulence. And actually I said that each year, um, this may sound like a low number, but it's true that 58 people in the United States are injured, um, due to turbulence every year, um, not wearing their seatbelt. And that's not due to crashes. That's just due to turbulence. That's why they say, you know, when you go back to your seat, uh, put back on your seatbelt, or when the seatbelt sign is illuminated, um, please advise that it's there for your safety. And um, something, you know, too, that from 1980 to uh, 2008, you need um, there was actually um, over 300 injuries related to um, society uh, related to those things and there was actually 10 deaths related to turbulence so, Wow, that's um, really I know a it lot. sounds you know it sounds so low when we think about it but then again that's something too um, you know that when people think about they still think that you know flying is so dangerous and all this that, that, that I'm saying over a course of 20 years um, not to, you know, take away anything of those 10 deaths. You know, we think of military things that are going on, of the thousands of people that are dying every year in car accidents, ex- or every day in car accidents, um, in the military, and there, and so many various things that, um, flying truly still is a safe thing. But you can make it even safer for yourself, um, by just dressing appropriately, reading, you know, taking the time to read the little, um, in-flight thing that says what's going on, to pay attention to the flight attendants, buckle your teeth out, turn off your phones. Um, It's just there as a means of travel. We can get back to our regular life um, as soon as it's over. So it's just sort of, you know, when you travel, um, just being of smart about it and thinking thinking ahead and always kind of thinking in the case of an emergency. Um, One kind of last thing that I think is really, uh, you know, it may sound silly, but in the time uh, you could be happy to have it, is keeping, you know, a cloth or um, a handkerchief or a scarf with you. Uh, I've, anyone knows if they've ever been in a situation with smoke and fire, by covering your mouth it actually kind of creates um, a capsule that you still have some air. So you'll see, you know, a lot of times um, with, with people, you know, that working in fields or if there's something on fire, or having something over your mouth, in the case that there was a fire um, to happen on board or the crash landing, um, well, people were able to escape, but there was smoke. Having that um, scarf that you could put over your mouth to breathe through is going to help you so much. So, That's again, what, this is That awesome.
2: is a really, really good um, one. And I have a, few, a yeah. few things just to stay comfortable on those extra long flights because these were all wonderful tips, Heather, on how to stay safe. But, um, you know, I get really uncomfortable on flights and. So one thing that people can do is they could be a seat sleuth, which if you go to seatguru.com, it can tell you which spots to avoid on specific aircraft. So, you know, that might be um, something that you want to do because a lot of times, even if you're upgrading to um, premium seat, you may not, the location may not be good. And, like, sometimes I've got, you know, I wanted to get, like, in a row Uh, One of the, what are they, the emergency rows thinking, oh, I'll have more room. But then those seats don't recline. So I thought Seat Guru is a really good, you know, uh, thing. I'm
1: glad you actually said that about it. People often know that the emergency exit things tend to have a lot of leg room, which is awesome. But do be advised, you know, a lot of people want that spot. Do be advised when in the case of an emergency um, that you will have to help others. And, the, you know, they ask that, and often people just kind of shrug it off. But if it comes to it, you know, you could be legally uh, liable for things. And then oftentimes, too, by sitting in the emergency exit row, you're going to have more seat room, but if you choose um, to partake in any adult uh, alcohol beverages, uh, oftentimes they will not uh, serve that to you because you are sitting in the emergency room because they want you um, to be fully aware if you do have to help if to an emergency. Oh, so, I
2: wasn't aware I of, that, of that, but I do know that every time I've sat in the emergency, they always, re- you know, you have to really listen to the flight yeah. attendant. You have to, um, you know, to she, she goes over the safety things, and I have been told, that just what you said is that you are responsible to help people off the plane, and I know that I've had a couple people sitting next to me before who said, "Oh, I don't want to do that," and actually got up and moved. Yeah. But I have a couple other tips that I just wanted to say too, and I know that um, you know people who fly a lot probably already do it, but it's worth saying again: is you know bring an empty water bottle through security and then fill your water bottle up at the. The water fountain before you get on the flight or buy a bottle of water before you get on a flight because there's no guarantees that there's going to be you know there's going to be water or there could be delays on the tarmac and they may not have anything and i know a couple of years ago i actually was flying first class on the way to a job and something happened and literally the plane took off and it had no service in other words there were no drinks, no food. There was nothing. And this was a first class, and there was nothing. So, you know, and it was across nothing. the country, so it was six yeah. hours. Yeah, so something happened. It was a mistake. But, you know, as long as you have your water bottle with you, that is good. And, you know, I like to take perhaps an inflatable pillow. I always have earplugs, and I always have those eye shades uh, or or people can use headphones because I find airplanes to be incredibly noisy and it hurts my ears and I just I can't concentrate and of course some people may want to take an over-the-counter sleep aid you know that could be a godsend on a really long flight and finally to bring a few snacks whether it's uh, some nuts or a piece of fruit I would stay away from tuna sandwiches and things that are stinky because that could really <laughs> upset your uh, your neighbors. And I always bring socks to put on, you know, and because I I, I, I exactly. feel more comfortable if I'm wearing socks or boots that are larger. And, of course, like you said, get up and move once in a while to stretch your legs because that's important. And then one final thing I do, I know it's not fashionable, but I really like it because it makes me feel safer that if something should happen and I had an emergency, that I would have my important documents with me. Is when I get on the flight, I put on a fanny pack belt on my front that I can put my passport, my driver's license, some money, um, the earplugs, just the things that I need. You know that I feel that if anything were to happen, I've got it on my body. So that again would have my you know my name and everything on it. So I think these are great tips. Did you want to add anything else?
1: No, you you covered everything there. My, my last thing is just make sure, again, it's staying hydrated on the plane. And oftentimes, even if there is a drink uh, service, you know, sometimes it's hard to get them to go around. So bring a recyclable water bottle or purchase one in the airport. Just make sure whether you are drinking or not. Um, Your body goes through a lot of changes when you're in the air. So just constantly drinking water is going to make sure that you're not going to feel sick or anything um, after the plane. So just make sure you stay hydrated and you should have a good drive when you get home.
2: Well, that sounds – those are all sounds great. And I think that people now, since the economy is coming back, more people are flying. Some of the flights' prices have come down a bit. And I don't know, I don't think I've ever been on a flight that wasn't completely packed. So having these safety tips as well as comfort tips for those extra-long flights are really helpful. So give out the websites, Heather. Most definitely. We want you to go to com as well as BeTheStarYouRide.com. And when we come back from break, we are going to talk about some of the new laws for motorists. So stay with us. You're listening to Star Style, Be The Star You Are. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm
1: Heather Brittany.
2: We'll be right back. You
0: are the star you are. Be the star you
1: are. You are the star.
0: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Be the star you are. Light up the flame.
2: Low literacy and poor communication skills have been identified in studies as major contributors to general conduct disorders, psychiatric disorders, criminal behavior, and adolescent suicide. To live and prosper in this society, we must be lifelong learners with access to knowledge and skills that can sustain our lives at work, at home, and in our communities. Be the Star You Are, 501C3 Charity, has been working to increase literacy and improve positive message programming since 1999. You can help by making a tax-deductible donation today. Visit www.be Everybody counts www.bethestarur.org
0: Be the lucky star you 925
1: 377 STAR. Be the star you are. You are
2: the star. Pump up your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, life changing interviews and star studded conversations on our award winning program, Star Style Be the Star You Are. Hosted by the passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Well, I appreciate you staying here on Star Style Be The Star You Are. My name is Cynthia Bryan, and we are broadcasting from Voice America Empowerment Channel. So, there are some new motorist laws for 2014, and... I just wanted to talk about a few of them that are happening here in California because if you don't know the laws, you can get in trouble. And then I'll just also give you some other tips that we've been finding out about that are going to keep you safe on the road. I know that the East Coast right now is just experiencing incredible storms and just blizzards and snow. And just watching the news last night, it seemed like, you know, the powder in New York City was about 14 inches deep and if you could it was so fluffy you could ski but it was also so cold whereas here in Northern California where I am it's today is like almost 80 degrees which is unprecedented for January and it also it also means that you know we have to learn different driving ways whether if it's in snow or rain or or in uh, in what's happening with the heat. So here are a few of the new motorist laws for 2014, and these are applying to, uh, to California. So the broken parking meters, there's a law called AB61, which allows motorists to park at inoperable parking meters or payment stations up to the posted time limit without getting a ticket from the local city or county. And this bill um, was sponsored by the Auto Club measure from last year from AAA, that required cities and counties to post clear notice if parking at broken meters was prohibited. Because in some cities, it didn't matter whether the meter was broken or not, you're supposed to pay. So I don't know how you can pay when the meter was broken. Now, mobile devices, this is an important one. It's SB194. It prohibits drivers under age 18 from using any mobile electronic communication device, even if it's hands-free while driving. So... I wasn't even aware of this until I got this in the mail. So if you are a driver under the age of 18, that you cannot be talking on a phone, or even if you're doing hands-free. So the only exception would be to call an emergency number to law enforcement or another emergency service provider. Driver's license. So next year, beginning in 2015, AB60 is going to require the DMV to issue driver's license to persons who are ineligible for a Social Security number if additional documentation regarding identity and residence is provided. A driver's license issued under these circumstances will include a notice that it's not accepted for official federal identification, such as airport security or other purposes. But DMV will be able to issue a driver's license. Now, vehicle fees. There's one called... um, Uh, AB8 is going to continue through 2023, but there are some new fees that uh, vehicle owners will have to pay at the time they register their vehicles. There's going to be an additional $3 alternative fuel fuel development and deployment fee. There will be an $8 for smog abatement, and this is charged on vehicles that are six years old or newer, and a $2 for local air quality districts to mitigate the emissions And that's really coming mainly from the large trucks. In addition, there are some uh, lanes, the HOV lanes. This is AB-266 and SB-286. And, of course, none of us are going to remember that. You'd have to look at a book. But what they do is they're going to combine to extend the time certain clean air vehicles are allowed to use the high occupancy vehicle lanes, which is called HOV or carpool lanes without meeting minimum occupancy requirements. So electric and natural gas vehicles, such as the LEAF, the Tesla, or the Civic Kong, that have a white sticker or an advanced partial zero-emission vehicles such as the Bolt and the plug-in hybrids, they'll have a green sticker from DMV. They'll be able to use these um, HOV lanes, the high-occupancy vehicle lanes, until January 1st, 2019. Now, the one thing is, for people in Los Angeles, the bills don't apply to the LA, the new express lanes on Interstates 10 and 110. And I think of all the places, LA probably needs it the best. Then there is something for bicycles. So if you're saying, oh, I don't even drive, but, you know, I ride a bike, there's a new law that establishes the Three Feet for Safety Act, and it requires drivers to allow at least a three-foot distance between their vehicle and a bicycle or its operator when passing. So three feet cannot be provided because of traffic or roadway conditions. Drivers have to slow to a reasonable and prudent speed and pass only when doing so would not endanger the safety of the the bicyclist. Now penalties for violating that law are going to start at 35 for a base fine And it'll go up to $150 if there's other fees, including court. And the bottom line is, for everyone's safety, we have to pay attention and give cyclists adequate space when passing. So, you know, we have to be very careful of all the bicycle laws. Now, something else, and this comes uh, into play right now, whether it is the snow or the sun, are you able to see clearly through your windshield and your lights With fewer daylight hours in these winter months, you're driving in the dark more often. So you have to make sure that your vehicle's headlights are in good shape, both to help you see and to ensure that other drivers can see you. So here are a few tips for increasing your headlights' effectiveness. First, consider replacing your headlight units with high-intensity discharge lamps. These are called HID lamps. They're not a simple bulb to swap out. You're going to need to change the entire assembly. But they do produce up to two and a half times as much light as conventional halogen lamps. Uh, The HIDs have a bluish-white cast, and they have minimal fading at the edge of the beams. Now, as an alternative, you can simply upgrade your standard bulb to a model that is brighter and more powerful for increased visibility. That's what I did. I thought that was easier than changing out to these HID lamps. Uh, Even if only one bulb is burned out, you want to change both of your bulbs because bulb brightness diminishes over time. And if you replace only one, the old bulb is going to be dimmer. And for best performance and for safety, you want the same amount of light on both sides. And if you have dirty or yellowed headlight covers, you may want to buy a restore project a product. Now these can range from treatments that start with fine finishing, you know like you use sandpaper and work through various liquid polishes and sealers, or you could have a system that has a three-step process where it cleans and then it removes the oxidation and then it seals it. Now, some products are simply polishes to remove the oxidized surface. So you want to read the product literature very carefully before you start it. But this should help keep you uh, keep you safe. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about with car safety today is the latest features um, that are on and new safety devices on the new cars. And is it worth paying extra for high tech safety features such as blind spot monitors? Now, I this isn't an, applying to me because I am driving a very old car. My I have uh, two cars that I alternate with. One is from 1990 and one is from 2000. So, you know, basically I'm driving antiques. But for those of you who are buying new vehicles, let's talk about that. So besides electronic stability control and anti-lock brakes, which are standard on all new cars these days, there are some other sophisticated crash avoidance technology that have hit the auto market. And here are some of them that are out there. There's a forward collision avoidance system, and what this does is it detects objects in front of the car and alerts the driver to hit the brakes if impact seems likely. Now, in some cases, the car brakes itself if the driver doesn't. Another one is adaptive cruise control, which automatically slows or accelerates a car to keep a safe following distance between um, and behind the car that's ahead of you. Now, some systems require the driver to take over below a certain speed, and others automatically bring the car to a complete stop. I'm not so sure how that would be. I mean, bring it to a stop. Hopefully, if it did it slowly, I guess that could work. But if it brought it to an abrupt stop, you might get hit from behind. Now, there's a lane departure warning alerts, and these alert the driver when the car strays out of its lane. Some systems automatically apply the brakes, And some make steering adjustments to keep the car on course. There's also blind spot detection alerts. And these are for drivers to vehicles in adjacent lines. Um, So if the driver signals a turn and there's a car in the blind spot, some systems automatically brake or steer to keep the car in its lane so it doesn't pull over and hit the car in the blind spot. That sounds kind of like a good one. Back over prevention systems. And I've heard people say that they really like this one. This one alerts the driver to objects directly behind a car. Some automatically apply the brakes, and systems with cross-traffic alert detect vehicles approaching from the side when a car backs out of a parking space or a driveway. I don't know. Adaptive headlights. Um, these pivot as the driver turns a steering wheel to better illuminate dark, curvy roads. That sounds like a very good one. I, I When I think about some of these things, I think it's probably time... For be looking into a new car but i'll talk about that in a second so are these gizmos worth their weight in higher monthly car payments it really depends on you and what you want now automakers use different types and numbers of sensors and different ways of warning drivers of impending doom some are very effective others are not so i'll give you a couple of things um, that i've exper- experienced experienced I rented a car recently, uh, and it was brand new. It only had a a 1,000 miles on it. But what they didn't tell me when I ran into the car was that if you leave the keys in the car, the doors automatically lock. So what happened is I loaded the car. I was leaving a hotel, loaded the car. And what I do in my own car, but, again, it's old, is... I load the car, I unlock the doors, and then I put the key on the dashboard so that I know that the keys are there and I'm ready to go, just in case. Well, in this case, I had my purse, all my AAA stuff, everything was in the car, I put the keys in the car, and the car locked automatically. I did not like that feature, and when I told um, the rental car company about it, they said yes this is what happens on that particular model of new cars, and they had had a lot of complaints about it because people who drive old cars like me, you know, they weren't knowing about it. Also, um, I've heard there was um, a study of the 2014 Mercedes E-Class that had safety, a lot of safety systems that rarely gave false alarms until you did something maybe kind of stupor, stupid, which would be to test out the feature, and then the steering and braking inputs were subtle. For example, rather than set off beeps or flashing lights when you drifted out of a lane, the Mercedes steering wheel rim vibrated, um, and, of course, you might not know what that means. Also, the cross-traffic alert on a 2014 Lexus is worked well to warn you of an unseen pedestrian walking across your path as you back out of a parking spot, but... Who knows? I mean, these are just these are just impressions that people have. In September of 2013, the insurance industry-funded Highway Loss Data Institute released a report rating a number of forward collision avoidance systems. And in general, they found that they help drivers avoid front-to-rear crashes. They also concluded that adaptive headlights are effective in reducing accidents. And as for lane departure warning systems. Well, they didn't find that those were very helpful. They felt that drivers got too many false alarms. So, what's the best advice? You want to, if you're looking to buy a new car, spend time with the systems on a lengthy test drive before you buy a a car equipped with them. But before rejecting them, also consider others who might drive the car, whether you have kids, teenagers, perhaps, who might not always be the most attentive driver. And understand that these futures will be pervasive in the future on almost all cars and first you want to also look to see how costly these options are the cost is starting to trickle down to moderately priced cars right now they're on the more expensive ones and but i imagine in the near future they're going to become standard so you <laughs> I, I can't wait till a car can drive itself because one of the things i really don't like doing is driving but you know it's better than I do have to get there so it is important to drive and then I just wanted to report say two other things is you know over the holidays when we were up in Lake Tahoe there was black ice on the road and even driving carefully when you hit that black ice it's like being on ice skates you just go skidding across the road and you know you can go into a snowbank or cause an accident and It's really dangerous. So I wish there was something that would prevent that. I don't know if there is. But just a couple days ago, my mom was driving in, she has an Explorer, and it basically saved her life. And she was hit at 65 miles an hour by an unlicensed, uninsured driver driving a bigger SUV. It flipped her car. She hit a tree, and she rolled into a creek. But because the Explorer was made so well, somehow the, window, the, the windows exploded, which did cut her, and she needed stitches. But she survived the impact, and the car was completely totaled. So depending on what you're looking for, I think you just definitely want to look for safety no matter what. So obey the rules. Check out the new rules for driving in your state, wherever that will be. And, um, you know, consider if you're looking into buying a new car, consider the new safety features on the latest models and drive, do a long test drive before you make your purchase. Well, I'm listening and you're listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style. Be the star you are. I'll be back in a bit and we're going to talk about communication and ways to stop misusing your digital tools and undermining the results of how you want to communicate with others Stay with me. I'll be right back. You
1: are the star you are. Be the star you are.
0: Change your world. Change your life.
2: VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan.
2: to develop strong management skills. Successful business owners and managers are precise, they're decisive, and they're clear. Clarity and confidence from a leader creates a feeling of security in followers. Weak managers are not respected because often their directions are confusing. So here are eight ways to develop strong management skills. Be decisive. Even if you're wrong, you're moving forward. Be involved. Confront issues and handle problems. Encourage change. Constantly be looking for ways to make things better, improved, and different. Fear not. Never let fear rule. Move through it, face it, conquer it. Be a fact finder. Seek truth and insist that everyone be honest. Be a risk taker. The greatest risk is not taking a risk. Always go out on that limb. Simplify issues. Break down complicated problems into their simplest parts. Delegate. Find and train competent people and trust them to do a great job, and they will. You are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For coaching, advice, or consultations, visit star-style.com or call 925-377-STAR.
0: This business of show business is calling out to me. Plug in your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts. as our Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, gabs with the gurus. Lend us your ears for the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, here's Cynthia Bryan.
2: You have a plan for your life. you set goals. You know where you want to go. And even with the detours, you can get there. And that's where I come in every week, bringing you... The experts, the information, and books that will inspire, entertain, and motivate you to greatness. I'm Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style, Be The Star You Are, and this is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Well, it's easy to connect with businesses and friends uh, with technology today, but are you expressing what you mean and are you being understood Sometimes we just relate more to technology and we've let personal communication fall by the wayside. So here are a few tips to help you avoid the high-tech pitfalls and communicate more effectively. The digital revolution facilitated hyper-communication and instant self-expression, but ironically, it really made it harder for anyone to listen. There is so much chatter and clutter that's getting in the way just Look at all the frenetic activity happening on Twitter at every given moment. And to make the most of our conversations, we need to remember how we connected effectively with others before we had smartphones and computer screens to help us. So specifically, you want to implement three guiding habits that are going to help you be more present in conversations and will improve your digital age communications as well. So you want to listen as if every sentence really matters, because it really does. You want to talk as if every word counts. And you want to act as if every interaction is important. So you have to change your expectations. You Lower your hopes for your smart devices. Just because technology does a lot for us, it's not a surprise that we've fallen in love with it. But in our enthusiasm for all the tools that we have, I think so often we lose sight of the people behind the, uh, behind the tools, and we have to turn that around. So a tech-centered view of communication encourages us to expect too much from our devices and too little from each other. We assume that by hitting the send button that we've communicated when really the other person may not have understood that message. So until we restore a more people-centered approach, we're going to continue to feel unsatisfied and unfulfilled by our interactions even though we might have the most powerful connection and transmission devices known to to man. I mean, how often have you sent an email and it is taken the wrong way because the person can't see your face or hear or read your body language or hear the tone of your voice? So let's talk about losing the quote-unquote friends. These days, it's not unusual to be superficially connected to a large number of people, even thousands of people. And it's way too easy to just send hundreds of you know, of emails or texts at a time. You can chat with distant acquaintances. You can spend hours online surfing. And you can leave no time to talk to the people who really matter most to you. And in other words, meaningful relations are being trumped by people you barely know. Well, it's time to start prioritizing that in both actual and digital. Can, you can have like a four-tier pyramid in tier one is composed of a very small number of people that are most important to you. And you want those people to have open access to you at all times. That's probably your immediate family and probably your best friends. In your tier two, you want people to have, you know, good access to you, but you're going to need to monitor the time that you give them more closely. That might be some business associates and, you know, some other friends who are not, that close of friends but maybe just more of acquaintances and then c and d shouldn't have any open access to you at all you might return a voicemail from c within 24 hours and d you just have to wait until you can get around to them just don't be distracted by every single person who asks for your attention and after you've made these distinctions you want to stick to them you're not being rude or insensitive and i know this is hard for me because i have a rule for myself that I always return all communications within 24 hours. But sometimes I am bombarded from, with emails from people I don't know asking for help or you know, asking me to be their mentor or whatever it is, and it's hard to get back in touch with them. So I have to keep remembering that I'm not being rude or insensitive, that people are, are bombarding me with questions, and I have to safeguard my time and energy for the people most important in my life. Now stop talking and just think for a minute. While words can build relationships very slowly, they can also cause damage like lightning. So a blurted retort or a thoughtless tweet or a hasty remark can, does, and will land people in hot water all the time. So you have to require some space to absorb information, formulate your responses, and then deliver them effectively. Now, I'm not saying you take a vow of silence, but I'm saying that you have to become the CEO of your tongue. You, you need to issue an executive order to yourself to stop talking long enough to think about what it is you're going to express. So think about that for a second. How often have you gotten an email or a text from someone? It could be a boss or a colleague that you really felt was attacking you, and it really made you mad. And your impulse is to shoot back something very quickly that might not be appropriate. So calm down. Take a deep breath. And, in fact, you may want to just sleep on it overnight because you don't want to send out something that is that you will never be able to take back. You don't want yell advised uh, comments out there because once it's out there on the internet it's there forever always, also don't always be yourself careless self-expression is usually an excuse for bad behavior so there used to be more structured ways to communicate and we couldn't afford to talk frequently to people outside of our local area code and it was hard to talk to several people at once unless the conversation was face to face like at a party but now that we have all of this virtual world, we can express ourselves instantly and that can be really dangerous. So don't hide behind, I was just expressing myself or being myself for indulging in destructive behavior. Before you post that picture and before you post any comment, think about it. Also, do you want everyone to know your personal business? You know, I've made it, very rarely do I post personal things on many of the social networks, everything I do is pretty much geared towards business, the radio show, the charity, and empowering other people. Once in a while, I will put something from my personal life, as long as I think that it might help somebody else. But just, you know, random telling people what I had for breakfast doesn't make any sense to me. I don't want to, I don't even care. So why would anybody else care? Questions, you know, question your Questions. Questions are not always neutral. They make some of your conversations better. But as you probably notice, many questions make a surprisingly large number of your conversations worse. For example, if you were to send an email saying, you know, did you follow up on that business thing? Somebody on the other end may take it that you're actually faulting them or that you're accusing them of not doing their work. So even though it could be very innocent... You know, before you send something, just think about it. And don't try to solve every problem immediately. Our quick, cheap, easy digital devices allow us to have far too many unnecessary conversations and engage way too much in unnecessary collaborations and get our thumbs on too many irrelevant issues. And that's why smart communicators, you have to have, you know, like doctors, they'd have a triage system. It's categories. It's like, is this you have to do this now? Can we delay it a little bit or do we avoid it completely? So perhaps make delay your default to automatically stop assigning too many things to the now category and use the now category when you only really, really need it. Sometimes you want to let difficult people win because if somebody is being controlling, critical, cranky, the behaviors that make someone a difficult person tend to spark frequent confrontations. And, you know, we might be wrestling with that and we might be struggling and we might have this, you know, impulse to fire a barrage of points and counterpoints into somebody's argument. But try to offset those mood swings and maybe just quit trying completely and let somebody else just win the argument. If it, if it ends the conversation, the difficult person remains the same, But often you're in a weaker position. So commit to letting go of your desire to win by imposing your will on other people. Be realistic. And when you find yourself with no choice but to interact with a difficult person, have modest expectations, avoid tangents, and stay focused on your end goal because that's really all you have the power to do. It's really all you can do. And all too often, we use more force than we need to accomplish our objectives, so it might be better to respond with a little weakness. We might yell by putting things in all caps when just a measured response would work better. So don't send blistering emails when a more restrained reply would suffice, or don't issue ultimatums when just a firm but gentle statement of convictions would do. Conflicts that start or escalate with excessive force can become a destructive cycle. Because then it becomes attack, retaliation, attack, retaliation. And then it just keeps escalating. So no matter how justified you feel, the bottom line is that using excessive force is not a winning strategy. It, it's not easy, but try to apply the least amount of interpersonal force and intensity necessary to accomplish your objective. In other words, you want to bring a stick to a knife fight, to neutralize a harsh conversation, and stay serious and focused, and keep the conversation as brief as possible. Keep your words calm, controlled, and stabilized, and don't add any new emotional material. Sometimes it's just better to be boring. Modern culture promotes that false notion that communication should be flashy, stimulating, and entertaining, you know, sort of like the sleek devices that are facilitating it, but If we assume that our best conversations are also the most exciting ones, then the ones that are intense or high stakes that bring big news, that are filled with emotion, or that contain something unexpected or novel. But the reality is is exciting conversations are relatively rare and often don't don't go the way we want them to. So good, meaningful communication usually looks plain, unremarkable, and boring. And guess what? That's perfectly okay. Think about it. It's not really excitement and intensity that you want from your conversations. What do you want? You want colleagues. You want bosses, and you want direct reports that you can count on. And they want the same from you. Everybody wants the responsibility. They want reciprocity. And over time, what seems unremarkable turns out to be quite remarkable after all, because Strong, durable relationships are built through thousands and thousands of routine interactions. As we move further into the digital age, let's just retain the ability to communicate meaningfully and effectively and and with each other because we want to embrace new technology and new ways to connect. But always we want to know how we're connecting, and we want to have as much FaceTime as possible. So whether you're emailing or texting with one another or broadcasting to hundreds via, via social media, thoughtful and deliberate communications are going to make your interactions count. So I hope that this is helpful for you, and I just want to thank you all for being great listeners and allowing us into your life every week make sure you are tuned to voice america empowerment channel every wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m pacific with me cynthia bryan and also with heather Brittany, your health guru and we'll bring you personal growth success coaching as well as expert advice and hopefully some fun and success because we want you to change your life we want your dreams to come true for information about Star Style, visit star-style.com or call 925-377-7827. That's 925-377-STAR. To make a donation to Be the Star You Are charity that empowers women, families, and youth and brings you the radio show and our teen show, Express Yourself, visit be the star you are.org or btsya.org. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. So until next week when we celebrate again, remember that love always wins, kindness prevails, and smiles keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Shoot for the stars and make this the best year ever. Thanks for joining me. Be the star you are,
0: the star you are.